So we've been rocking this series for uh, like the whole summer. You want that? Beautiful. Scott's getting his iPad so he can go play Angry Birds while I preach. And I brought mine up here so I could play Angry Birds while I preach. Um, so we've been in the series like all summer, right, um, about parables. Um, can you imagine what a parable is? Earthly story with a heavenly meaning, the Strabala definition, I like that. Um, parable. Parables are stories. Um, Jesus tells these stories. Why? Because our whole society, for as long as anybody knows, we've been obsessed with stories. Um, I mean, who, who read all the, we'll start simple, like, who saw all the Harry Potter movies? How many, is there seven or eight? Eight. 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 I saw all of them. Um, I, saw the, I saw the last two on opening night. One of them I saw on opening night by myself. Wow. <laughs> Uh, that was, it was me and like every middle school kid in the world. It was awesome. Um, so Harry Potter, yeah, uh, Lord of the Rings. Anybody see all the Lord of the Rings? Well, hold on, stop, stop. Who read all the Harry Potter books? Who, who are the dedicated people in the room? Nice. You guys, I, I read slow. I, I enjoy reading, uh, but I read very slow. And so to read a Harry Potter book, man, my brain would explode. I don't know. I guess it wouldn't explode. It would just take a long time. Um, so to read all of them, I might be 50. Um, I think I started, I don't know what was cool when you guys in elementary school, but when I was in elementary school, um, Goosebumps was, was big, literally. I started every single Goosebump book, and I still have yet to finish one. I feel like I need to go back and read one just so I can say, you know, me and R.L. Stein are boys. Um, Lord of the Rings, who saw the Lord of the Rings movies? Um, other great trilogies, uh, personal favorite, Back to the Future. Um, I'm not sure what a good girl trilogy is, or High School Musical. What about, uh, wasn't there like three Legally Blondes? Close enough, right? Um, we, Spider-Man, I feel like the last one wasn't very good, you know? Like Spidey at the Disco, like when he went with the whole... Um, so anyway, we, we love stories. I love that. It's my favorite thing. I'm just going to do that real quick. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. Okay. Um... We love stories. Um, We're infatuated with stories. Our lives, um, some people think like our lives, we play out these huge stories. We love, Broadway is huge. Great stories. Great books are huge because they tell great stories. Some movies, some movies aren't so great, but some movies have really great stories that we can follow. So it totally makes sense that Jesus, when he would teach, he would use these stories. I don't have enough room on this. Um, Jesus would use these stories. Why? Because stories connect with people. People can find themselves in a story. You ever been watching a movie? Like, dude, that character is so much like my friend. Or, dude, I would love to be that character. Or, whoa, that thing totally happened to me. And so Jesus tells these stories, these parables, because they connect with people. Um, and so tonight we're going to continue that. We have two more weeks of this series. Um, and so tonight we're going to continue talking about parables, these stories that Jesus told um, with great, great meaning, with great, great truth in them. Um, so tonight we're talking about a story about the Good Samaritan. You ever heard the Good Samaritan? Good Samaritan story. I mean, even if you don't like, go to church, even if you never like, open the Bible in your life, everybody's heard of like Good Samaritan. You know, you've heard of like the Samaritan's Purse organization. You've heard of like uh, Salvation Army or Goodwill, helping people that can't help themselves, that kind of thing, right? Um, and so the Good Samaritan is, you know, be kind to one another, love somebody that you wouldn't normally love, that kind of thing. Um, and so I feel like everyone's heard the story of the Good Samaritan, even people outside of church, secular people have heard the story of the Good Samaritan. But I don't feel like any of us have really, maybe some of us have, looked in depth. But I bet most of us in the room, because I didn't, 
know where that story came from. Like, like where, where did that story start? Why did Jesus tell this parable? Almost all of Jesus' parables, he tells because someone asks him a question, or, or there begins a new conversation, or there's a dialogue. And Jesus tells this story to answer the question. Does that make sense? You ever done that? You have any of those people like, I feel like those are the people that you call on the phone, not that Jesus is like annoying. Um, but you know, he's called people on the phone and you're like, oh gosh, if I call this person, seriously, there's no way I can get off the phone for like 15 minutes. I think that's why God invented text messages because like you can't ever like call your grandmother and not talk for like an hour. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so uh, the Good Samaritan. So where, where in the world did this story, uh, where did it come from? Um, the Good Samaritan story is only recorded, the parable is only recorded in one of the Gospels. But where it came from is recorded in every one of the Gospels, in all four. Um, so I want to look for just a second um, at Matthew chapter 22. Um, and it, you, don't have, you can, you can turn, if, totally turn if you want to, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 tonight. But I'm going to start out in Matthew, um, in Matthew chapter 22. So this guy comes up to Jesus, right? Jesus um, is obviously awesome, um, but these guys come up to him, and they're always trying to, to find a way to trick Jesus, to, to find a way to um, fool him or get him to say something wrong, to totally discredit his message. Um, and so these guys, um, they're called the Pharisees. And so they come up to Jesus um, right here in Matthew chapter 22, um, and they seem like one of the smartest guys. And he goes up to Jesus to try to trick him, um, and he says, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Now, now, we all know, like, the Ten Commandments, but in the, in the Old Testament, like, the Pharisees wrote over 600 commandments. Like, there's all these cr- kind of crazy commandments. And so he goes up to Jesus saying, okay, if he picks this one, then I, I'll come back with this one. Or if he picks this one here, then that'll totally discredit what he said there. Or if he says this one, then I'm going to do this. And Jesus totally baffles him again. He, like, takes it and turns it on its head every single time. Like, why would you go up to Jesus um, and ask him, like, try to trick Jesus, you know? Crazy. Um, so this guy goes up to Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, um, hey, teacher, hey, rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? And he's expecting Jesus to say something so he can trick him, right? And Jesus, obviously, is God, and so he's super smart. Um, and so he knew what the guy was going to say, and so he comes back with an, a response that this guy could never have expected. He says, okay, love God with everything you've got. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him with everything you absolutely can love him with. And the second commandment, just, you know, he asks you for one commandment, Jesus gives him two. Um, he goes, okay, so first is this, and then the second one is a lot like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As much as you love you, which I don't know about you guys, uh, but most of the time I love me a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Um, like, I don't ever go buy my friend's toothpaste, but if I need toothpaste, you better believe I'm going to, I'm going to steal somebody's toothpaste. Um, yeah, like, the great part about having roommates um, is that you can always steal their stuff. Um, so anyone that I've ever lived with, I've probably stole their stuff before. Um, yeah, it's always great. It's always great to like show up somewhere wearing your buddy's T-shirt that he's been looking for forever. I do it to Daniel all the time, and we haven't lived together in like a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> I break into his house. Um, and, so, and so this guy says, hey, love your neighbor. As my, Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so then, flip over to Luke with me. Um, Luke 10, and we're going to start... Uh, verse 29, verse 30-ish. Um, and so Jesus, so, th- so this guy says, okay, love, okay, love God and then love people. Um, and s- love my neighbor is what Jesus, love your neighbor is what Jesus says. And so this guy, like, 
trying to recover, like, okay, crap, that wasn't what I was hoping Jesus would say. Um, and so he comes out in verse 29. Um, sorry, Ben, this, I don't know if we have this one, but we have the next one for sure. Um, so the guy comes back. After Jesus says, love your neighbor, the guy says, um, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus is like, ooh, I like that one. Here we go, saucy. Um, and so we start with verse 30. Jesus, because he's awesome, tells this great story. So Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him there for dead. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the background. Like, okay, Jerusalem, Jericho, what the crap? I don't know what that is. Um, so there's this guy named Herod. Who remembers like, the, the story of Jesus being born? Remember that? Christmas, you ever heard of it? Um, so, so before Christmas, um, Jesus' parents, uh, Joseph and Mary, God like, gives them this dream, and so they go to Egypt um, because there's this crazy king. Uh, his name's Herod. And he was killing, he heard about this Jesus guy, and so he was killing all the babies. So he thought Jesus was kind of going to come and take his throne. What he didn't know is that Jesus already let him be the king, um, and Jesus didn't want his throne. He wanted this, this awesome, like, he rules everything throne, like, way above Herod. But Herod thought he wanted to sit on, like, his throne, um, which Jesus didn't. So Herod starts killing all these babies. To tra- he kills, like, all the babies, like, two and under to try to kill Jesus. Um, and so Joseph's parents, like, get out of town real quick, um, and so Jesus doesn't get killed. That's who Herod is. Um, Herod uh, is an awesome, uh, he's not really an awesome king, uh, but he's a king, and so he has like all this money, right? Um, And so he builds this vacation home. Basically, it's what he builds. Um, And he builds it in Jericho, which is kind of away from Jerusalem. So when he wants to go like on his winter retreat or whatever, that's where he goes. He goes to Jericho. Like people say, like scholars tell us, um, he had like three palaces and like a swimming pool. I don't know if many people didn't have swimming pools, but that was like in the book, so I thought it was kind of important. So, like, a long time ago, like 2,000 years ago, they had swimming pools. And then he had a sunken garden. I don't know if that was in the pool or I'm not sure exactly what a sunken garden is, but he had a garden that was sinking, apparently. Um, And so that was what was in Jericho. And so these guys, uh, people all the time, either messengers, people taking the king's supplies, people going to meet with the king, people wanting to have an appeal to the king, they would be traveling this road. Um, And this road is, like, super, super sketchy. Um, like people say that on one side of the road, there was like a 3,300 foot drop off, like 3,300 feet. Like if you slip, fallen for a few seconds before you actually hit the ground. Um, so it's like a pretty treacherous road. And so like all these people would come on this road, there was no way to get, like you couldn't turn right or left because you'd fall off the road. I don't know if you could turn left, but you couldn't turn right for sure. Um, and so these guys would come, these robbers, they would, they would like hide in rocks. Um, I kind of feel like it's like on Star Wars, you know, where they're going through and then like the sand people are like, Doo-doo-doo! and they s- kidnap R2 and C3. Never mind. Um, so, so that's what these robbers would do. Um, they were dressed as droids. Um, just, uh, I'm just kidding. Big tank and road, never mind. Um, so that's what happened in Star Wars. Great story, right? Except for the first three. Man, they really ruined that series with the first, the second three. The prequels were awful. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, four, five, and six. Two thumbs way up. Um, peace. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> two thumbs way up. Um, way up. Uh, and so these guys are looking for droids. Uh, so these robbers are positioned all along the road trying to take stuff from people, and they would beat people up all the time. And so when Jesus said these parables, almost all of these parables had some kind of truth to them or had some kind of urban legend to them. And so when, when he said, oh, dude, I've heard about it, like, that's what people would, would think of. When Jesus said this, he would say, 
oh, dude, is that is that real? Like, I, I think I've heard about people that, that experience that, but but I'm not completely sure. You know what I'm kind of saying? Um, and so Jesus like totally would pull people's heartstrings. Dude, I, I think I might have I've heard that. Like, maybe, maybe it's an urban legend. Maybe it's real. So Jesus goes on and he tells a story. Um, he said by chance. So pick up. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, the guy is uh, almost dead and he's naked and there's a cliff. Not a good place to be. Just FYI. And so verse 31, by chance a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the road to the other side and passed by him. Okay, so pick up again. A priest, so this guy's a preacher. Um, He's a pastor. This guy's like Scott. I mean, he's not like Scott, but he would have kind of Scott's title. And so get this right. I mean, seriously, this road can't be huge. Um, So he's walking on this road, and he sees a naked, almost dead guy. Like, I don't know. I think I would try to help. Or just, hey, what's, why is there a naked, dead guy, uh, almost dead, lying on the road? But instead of that, uh, this guy's like, ooh, naked, dead guy. And, like, like just totally like, gets away from him, right? Um, and this is, like, the pastor guy. And, like, according to the laws that this guy lived by, they're called rabbinic laws. He was a rabbi, a pastor, a teacher. According to the laws this guy lived by, he either had to help the guy, or if he was dead, he had to bury him. And so this guy just totally, like... Nobody's looking, sneaking around. Like, this guy just totally ditches him, right? So we'll go on. And then a temple assistant walked by. Um, this, is even, this is even worse. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, and he also passed by the other side of the road. And so at least the pastor, like, sees him walking. Like, um, he's like, oh, is that a naked dead guy? Yeah, I think it is. Scoop! But this guy, like the temple assistant, so he'd be like, like a small group leader, somebody on like the church staff or something. He's like walking along, walking along, playing Angry Birds. He's like, oh, is that a naked It's a naked dead guy. Where's the... Well. <laughs> and then he takes off, right? <laughs> like, dude, seriously? That's even like, I mean, not that... If you ever see a naked, almost dead guy, call somebody. You know, seriously. <laughs> this guy's... It could be cold outside, He's almost already dead anyway. Seriously, help the guy out. Um, so then, uh, da, 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 hero comes. Um, verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along. We'll stop right there. The Samaritans. I, I love how it says despised in the NLT. That means they didn't like him. Um, he wasn't a cool person. Samaritans. Who are Samaritans? Anybody know what a Samaritan is? Who a Samaritan is? Seven? Seven? No. So, yeah, no. No one knows. Uh, they're, yes, yes, they're half Jews. So there's this whole other town called Samaria. It's this whole other place. Um, and, and there was some Jews there, but then a lot of people were like Assyrian or, or some other nationality. And so like they would like marry into the Jews. Um, and so there was like these half Jews, um, half Assyrians, half other people that, uh, that, that they, they weren't pure Jews. And in the Jewish culture, like being of pure blood was everything to them. Like, if you weren't, a, like, you know, like Harry Potter, like, yeah. mudbuds, right? Um, they didn't like them. Um, and so the Jews hated the Samaritans because the Samaritans weren't, like, pure Jews. And the Samaritans hated the Jews because the Jews were, like, uh, I mean, the Samaritans thought the Jews, like, looked down on them, which they did, uh, because they weren't, like, pure bloods. Remember? That, that same kind of thing. Um, and so this Samaritan walks by. And, and, and when Jesus says this Samaritan walks by, these people are like, whoa, dude, like a pastor already walked by. Um, a temple assistant, like a church staff member, a small group leader walked by. They didn't help. This Samaritan's probably going to like push him over the edge, right? <laughs> they thought like the worst thing ever was going to happen. 
Here's the deal. Here's your first blank. Um, God, God wants us to be involved in what he's doing. God wants you and me to be involved in what he's doing. Here's the crazy thing. God doesn't need us to be involved. God was like running the whole world, the whole earth, the whole universe, way before you got here. And a long time after you're gone, he'll still be running it. God doesn't need us to be involved, like we say when we give offering all the time. Dude, God doesn't need our money. He allows us to give. God wants us to be involved. Here's what happened. This guy is almost killed. They took all his stuff, even his clothes. So this pastor walks by. God says, hey, I want you to be involved. He said he scoots to the other side of the road, walks on past. This small group leader, he walks by, sees what's going on. God says, hey, I want you to be involved here. I want you to help this guy. I want you to show him my love. God looks at him, scoots on by. God wants you and me to be involved. You know, you know what happens every time we walk out of these doors, and even in these doors sometimes? Dude, we could go around this room, and everybody in this room could share a need. Everybody in this room could share something that's going on that's dirty, that's broken, that's almost dead in their lives. Whether that's a family member, um, a tough situation at home, um, a job, some money situation, school stuff. We've all got garbage in our life. But God has sent us into other people's lives, and God sent people into your lives to fix it. God has put you in the place where you are so that you might be involved in what he was doing. Two guys walk right past that God wants to use, but they scoot right on by. Why do we do that? I feel like there might be, might be a couple of reasons why, why we scoot right on by instead of getting involved. When we're busy. Dude, we think we're so busy. All the time. Dude, everybody's busy. Like the rest of your life, you're busy. There's traffic on the 15, and you're busy. Like things that just never change, right? The only thing that changes is, is you get more busy. And so sometimes we get so busy that, dude, maybe this pastor had the best of intentions. But dude, he had to be somewhere really quick. And so he was so focused on where he had to be, he had to scoot by because, because he didn't have time to stop. Dude, we need to have times where we have breaks in our life. We need to have times where we just stop in the situation that we're in. Maybe that's a class. Maybe that's at our job. Maybe that's at home. And we just say, dude, God, I know you're at work here. Please allow me to slow down enough to see what you're doing so I can be involved. Second reason is sometimes we're just not paying attention. You ever, like, driven past? I don't I know most of you guys. Some of you guys don't drive. Some of you guys do drive. Um, dude, there's so many times I, like, scoot right past, like, the speed limit sign. But then if I see a cop, dude, you better believe I'm on the brakes. Like, with a quickness, I'm on the brakes. But not too much of a quickness. It's like a casual quickness. The cop doesn't go, oh, look, he's slowing down really fast. I bet he was going the speed limit. No, no, no. Um, I always get pulled over. Not because I'm speeding, because I'm suspicious. <laughs> and I usually get tickets because I'm suspicious. Uh, why do they have road signs? Why do they have speed limit signs? Why do they have caution, like turn signs? Um, why do they have stop signs ahead? Because they don't want you to run through the stop sign. Because if there's like a huge like U-turn, they don't want you going like 50 miles an hour and then flipping your car over and everybody dying. They don't want you going like 50 miles an hour in a 35 because there might be like a crosswalk. There might be like a, a school zone. And you could like plow into somebody and it wouldn't be a good idea. Um, it's the exact same thing God's saying to do here. Put signs in your life. to where, when, when you go into a place, man, okay, God, this is, this is what... This is what you're doing. This is where I am. God, how can I be involved here? 
God, open my eyes so that I can see stuff that might be dangerous or see stuff that, that you're at work in that I might could plug in also. So God sent two people by and they totally missed it. But then God sends his third guy by, the Samaritan. And they're despised. The despised Samaritan. Uh, verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. This word compassion is so cool. This word compassion, um, Jesus uses this exact same word uh, in all of the Gospels. When Jesus sees a big crowd, his heart breaks. It's like the word um, viscera is, is, is like the word, the, the inward parts of man, the most inward parts of man. Jesus says, my heart breaks. The most inward parts of me, those hurt. And that's this word compassion. When the Samaritan saw this Jewish guy, his heart broke. So what happens? Going over him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, then I will pay you the next time I'm here. Point number two. If not for the love of someone else, we would all be dead. If not for the love of someone else, we would all be dead. One, very, of course, if not for the love of Jesus, we would all be dead. Jesus saw us in our broken, in our dead state, and reached into death and made us alive if we trust in him. But two, people in your life affect your life greatly. We could go around the room and say, man, I've been at Hope for how long? Um, and then we could talk about the people who have influenced us. Maybe you'd say a small group leader. Maybe you'd say like an old youth pastor. Maybe you'd say um, Pastor Vance or Pastor Mike. Maybe you'd say all kind of people who are pastor church. Maybe you'd say, man, my grandma loved Jesus, and she prayed for me like crazy, and that's how I came to Christ. But here's what I know. Before you can come to Christ, you have to hear the gospel. 99.9% of the time. Before you come to Christ, you, need, you have to hear the gospel. And you can't hear the gospel unless someone tells it to you. If the Samaritan doesn't look into that ditch and see that Jewish guy, if he just walks on past, or if he looks at him like the other two did and scoots the other side of the road and boogies on by, if he doesn't look on him and feel compassion, if his heart doesn't break, if he doesn't show him love, then this guy doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us how long he was laying there before the Samaritan came by, but it says they beat him half to death. He was there naked and was going to die. And this Samaritan comes by and his heart breaks. And he shows this guy crazy, radical kind of love. Love that, that goes past, like, the boundary lines. Like, these, these two groups of people hated each other. But this Samaritan's heart breaks. And he sees past, well, I don't like this guy because of where he came from. He says, man, this is another human. And God has put me here to love this guy, to show him compassion. I don't know who that is for you. But for me, when I was in seventh grade, I had two coaches, basketball coach and a football coach, uh, Ron German and Chuck Clark. Dude, those guys showed me how to love Jesus and play football. Uh, 
And without those guys loving me, without those guys reaching into my life and showing me what it really means to follow Christ, dude, there's no way I'd be here. And since being in Las Vegas, dude, I've got to reach into other people's lives and say, man, there's a Jesus, there's a God that loves you. Dude, without, without Coach Clark and Coach German, I don't get to be involved. Not that, not that it wouldn't have happened without Coach Clark or Coach German, and, and not that their lives wouldn't have been affected without my life, but what would I have missed out on? I wouldn't have got to get in on what God was trying to do. God wanted me to be involved here in Las Vegas, so he put Chuck Clark and Ron German in my life to greatly affect me. So the Samaritan loves him. What does love do? Two things, and then we'll be done. One, love moves us into action. Love takes us from the road to the ditch. Love puts us in a place where we get dirty. Love takes us places we don't want to go. But love radically changes our lives. I have no idea what it looks like for you to love somebody this week. But I can guarantee you that most of the time it's going to be uncomfortable. Because love thrusts us. It pushes us into crazy action. Dude, I don't know about you, but it's pretty crazy. Like, I've never met you before, but you're really naked and you're almost dead. What's up? Right? That's uncomfortable for me. I don't, know, I don't know what you guys do in your spare time, but that's uncomfortable for me. But love moves us into action. And the second thing love does. Love wants nothing in return. Um, oh, I'll turn the page. Okay. Um, verse, uh, verse 35, the next day he goes to the innkeeper. Um, and he says, here's two silver coins. Telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs over, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So this guy, I don't, I don't know how conscious the Jewish guy is. Um, but the Samaritan, he picks him up. He like dresses his wounds. He puts him on his animal. So that means he didn't have two animals. He put him on his animal. So he walked the rest of the way. And then he takes him to an inn. He, he picks up the tab. And then he says, hey, here's some money. Take care of this guy. And if when he leaves, he racked up more of a tab. When I come back, I'm going to pay you for that too. It never says they talked or they prayed together or they went and got Starbucks later. Uh, it, it never says like he bought him in and out. Um, it never says he sent him a Christmas card the next year. Right? This guy just takes off. Satisfied with this um, gesture of goodwill. Satisfied with saving this guy's life. Love asks for nothing in return. So many times we do things, but it's all about what we can get, really, if we're honest. It's like, oh, I love you, Grandma. Let me write you a big card. No, send me some money. <laughs> right? Or, hey, Mom, look, I cleaned the whole kitchen. Well, most of it. Uh, some of it. Now you want to take me to hang out with my friends? Or you want to give me some money to go to the movies? But real love, real love asks for nothing in return. Look how this passage closes, and then I'm done, I promise. Um, Jesus says back to the guy, so now the story's over. He says back to the Pharisee, Now which of these three would you say a neighbor, sorry, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. What Jesus is saying here is go love unlovable people. Go put yourself in uncomfortable places. 
go be forced into action and don't expect anything in return. Go be involved in what I'm doing, no matter the cost. Go and reach into darkness and pull someone out. Go and speak life into dead situations. And the Pharisee leaves. What in the world does this mean? Okay, Michael, cool. Pep talk. Awesome. Great. What in the world does this mean? Do we talk about parables all summer? And here's the ask. Here's, here's what you take home. Here's what you do as you leave refuge. Dude, you have friends. Uh, on Facebook, at your school, um, at work, wherever you are, you have friends. You know people that need to know Christ. Maybe they're not physically naked and almost dead, but spiritually they are. Here's what we do. Dude, next week, Scott is going to teach, and it's going to be awesome. Like, he's going to bring the rain like no other. He's going to talk about what, what it, what's the purpose of life and how do we really know Christ. Here's what you do. Dude, everybody in this room, there's no excuses that everybody can't bring somebody that doesn't know Jesus. That can't bring somebody whose life is broken right now. Who's in the middle of just some crazy junk. Everybody can bring somebody that next week needs to hear the message of Jesus. Because as we're sent out of here, every one of us is one of those three people. Are we going to scoot on by or are we going to reach into tough situations and really show people the love of Christ? God wants you to be involved in what he's doing. And no matter what the cost is, it's completely worth it. Don't miss out on those opportunities. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for stories in your word that are true. God, not just fairy tales. But God, things that are true. God, I thank you that in my life, God, at a VBS in 1997, you spoke into my life. God, and you rescued me. God, I was dead. And spiritually, God, I was broken and naked. But God, you stepped in. And you brought me to life. God, I thank you for the people in this room. God, I thank you for the ones that follow you and have trusted you. And God, I pray for the people um, that they affect. For the people whose lives they're involved in. And God, I pray as we walk out of here tonight. That someone could be on our heart. God, I pray that right now you would put somebody on every one of our hearts. That we could bring next week that needs to hear the message. God, that needs to hear your truth. God, we thank you. God, that you don't need us to be involved, but you want us to be involved in what you're doing. God, I thank you that you've put us here in Las Vegas. God, in this city. And God, I thank you that because of you, we get to shine.